Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. All right. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, um, go ahead and get that out. If not, uh, feel free to look on with someone or use a phone or a tablet. And uh, let's turn together to the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians in the New Testament. So it's kind of further back in your Bible. And uh, last week we started a brand new uh, teaching series on the book of Philippians. So what we're doing is we are going to go through this book uh, word by word, verse by verse, and really study and dig in and find out, God, what, did you, what would you say to us, right? What do you have to say to us? And, um, and so today I'm really excited. One of the, the themes of the book of Philippians is joy. Everyone say joy. All right, so, um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, but maybe in a different context in which you usually hear it. So uh, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to start in verse 18, all right? And uh, what's going to happen is I'll read a few verses, maybe a few words, I'll stop, I'll explain some things, then we'll go back in and read, all right? So, uh, so I'm not going to read it all at one time, I'll read, stop, explain, that kind of thing, all right? So Philippians chapter 1. Starting in verse 18, if you're there, say, I'm there. Ah, great news. All right, here we go. Uh, It says this, what then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice. Guys, man, I love that. Like, this is what we see right here in verse 18, and so I'm not going to go back and unpack everything we talked about last week. Uh, you can go back and read the whole chapter uh, later, but I want you to see, like, at the end of verse 18, Paul is talking about, like, some um, trials, some suffering, some bad things happening in his life. Uh, he's not having a good week, probably not having a good month, probably not having a good year, maybe not be having a good decade. Like, he's just not doing so hot, and, uh, and he goes through this, but he's writing this letter. So Philippians in the Bible, this is a letter that Paul is writing to the church that meets in Philippi, and he's saying this, he's saying, yeah, all this bad stuff is happening, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, I'm chained up to, to you know, these prison guards, uh, I've got stuff going on, people are talking bad about me, they're trying to ruin my character, my reputation, there's a lot of stuff going on, he says, yes, I will rejoice, like, for me, I'm like, yes, I will knock their teeth down their throat, like, for me, I'm like, man, let's get after it, you know, Paul is like, no, 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 for me, I rejoice. Like, I'm excited. It's kind of like, you ever been there where you've been so tired, so exhausted, but yet you're still happy? I call that parenting, all right? <laughs> like, I, I, there's just something about it, like, you know, and you can always see those new parents. Right? I remember first time we brought Zeke home. He's our oldest. He's seven. First time when we brought him home from the hospital, man, I was exhausted. I don't, were you tired, babe, at all, a little bit? I, I was. I, <laughs> I'd been through a lot. I was really tired. And um, <laughs> I, 
I was really tired. I'm getting it later, yeah. Uh, I, but I was really tired, <clears throat> but it's great because people are coming over like, you know, a week or two, and, uh, and they're asking, you know, they're like, how are you doing, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm just so excited. He's got 10 toes. Like, this is like the best ever, you know? Like, I'm, I'm so excited. And they, but then they kind of look at you, they get that glare, and they go, nah, man, for real, you okay? I'm like, yeah, no, for real. They're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever, you know, I'll see you in 20 years, you know, like, that's just kind of how it rolls, but yeah, there's still like, even though you're tired, even though there's a lot going on, you just live in this high, this expectation, this like, man, I know things are hard, but man, I'm happy, like, I'm joyful, I got a reason to rejoice, and guys, that's what it's like when you follow Jesus. When you're a follower of Jesus, there may be a bunch of junk all coming at you at one time. You may look like that new parent that hadn't slept in four years. Like, you may look like that, but let me tell you something. But inside, you've got this, like, adrenaline almost, where you're just like, yeah, I know I look like, like you know, uh, darkness, but, man, I'm happy. Like, I'm excited. I got this joy. Guys, that's what Jesus does for us. And so that's how Paul starts this letter. And I wanted to show you that because Paul is going to say some stuff that go like really opposite to our culture, like really opposite to the way you and I would expect and imagine things to go. And so it's important that we understand he starts with rejoicing. All right. I rejoice. Everyone say joy. joy. All right. That's going to be so important. All right. Look at verse 19 with me. So Paul, why, why are you rejoicing? He says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Man, I love that. Look at verse 19. He says, Paul says, I know. I rejoice because I know. I rejoice because I know. Listen to me. I rejoice because I know. And I want to encourage you, like, uh, well, first of all, I want to encourage you, I didn't give you my spill, but take notes today, all right? Like, write some stuff down, because you'll forget it. If not, I, I will too. Like, write it down, but I want you, if you're taking notes, like, write this down, like, I rejoice because I know, all right? Like, we have a reason to rejoice because we have a confident hope that Jesus is in control, okay? We, we can rejoice because we got a confidence that Jesus is in control, like, he's got it right? And we don't always, like, if you're just walking around and you're not sure if Jesus has got you or not, it's hard to rejoice because you're kind of like, man, I'm about to fall off the cliff and I don't know, is he going to catch me? Is he going to be there? You know, but instead, like, we can fall off the cliff because we know Jesus has got us. Like, things are okay. Like, sometimes I tell people this, like, uh, sometimes uh, I used to say God is a buzzer beater. Like, God is going to wait till the end of the game wait till the buzzer, and then he's going to come through. But then I lived a little bit more life, and I realized sometimes the buzzer goes off, and God didn't come through. Sometimes he comes through after the game when you're walking to your car in the parking lot. Like, like but God always comes through. Like, I, I've seen it, I know that, and so I can rejoice. And so Paul says, like, I've got this confidence. Well, what gave him that confidence? Like, you might be going, okay, Brandon, I want to be joyful. I want to rejoice. I want to be confident. But how? Like when life is beating us down, how do we get confident? That, like how can you be so confident that God is going to come through? Well, look at what he says, two things. He says, I'm confident because your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit. 
He says those two things. Give me confidence. I know you're praying for me, and I know the Holy Spirit of God is with me. And so I rejoice because I know this is going to turn out okay. Like it may not turn out okay to everybody else, but I know God's got this because I know you're praying for me, and I know the Holy Spirit of Jesus is with me. Now, I just want to encourage you, like, listen, this is why as a church, guys, it is so important that we are a church that intercedes for other people. That word intercede literally means to pray for people who cannot pray for themselves. And man, there are people in our church, in our community, in our city, they're not praying for themselves. They don't know how. Or maybe they feel so beaten down, they feel like, what's the use? And guys, that's where we as the church come through. And man, how awesome is it that one day, like somebody might receive joy because like we prayed for them when they couldn't pray for themselves, when they wouldn't pray for themselves, there were still people praying for them. Like, have you ever experienced that? Like I have, like even as a pastor, there's been times, experiences in my life where I'm like, God, I can't even talk to you right now. Like, I don't even know what I would say. Like, I'm just so upset. I'm so distraught. And then people come over and they'll say like those words that when, you, when you're mad and you're angry, they just make you more mad. I'm praying for you. So why don't you go pray for yourself? I'm fine. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I just think like, man, but listen, how joyful to go back and look and go, man, you know the only reason I made it through that time is because somebody was praying for me, and it's usually a mother. No, let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I am where I am now because my grandfather prayed for me. He prayed for me. Like, I, I believe that, like, in the prayers of other people. And so two questions. One is, can you gain a little bit of confidence today knowing that you got some people in your church praying for you? And secondly, man, if you got something going on, can you let somebody know so they can pray for you? Because there is power in that. Um, and then he says there's power because I know I got the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And listen, what that really means, he says later in Romans, he says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That if you believe in Jesus and you give your life to follow Jesus, the same power that picked Jesus up from the dead after three days of being beaten on the cross, that same spirit and power that is unexplainable to us lives in our bodies. It's ours. And so Paul says, why wouldn't I rejoice? I literally got people praying for me, and I got the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. Let's go. And so that's Paul's reaction. Let's keep going. Look at verse 20. Philippians 1.20, he says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And I love this. Paul says, whether by life or by death, I'm okay because I know Christ is going to be honored. I know Christ is going to be exalted. Now, this is where Paul starts to get a little weird, all right? Because for us, like, we don't like to talk about this stuff. But Paul, he's in a prison cell, chained up to some, some guards, and he's probably been beaten at this point. He's probably hungry. Like, they're not putting on sports center for him in the prisons in Rome, all right? Like, he's probably been beaten. He's upset. And, uh, and so that's just where the brother's at. He's like, whether by life or by death, I believe Christ will be honored. And so I'm okay. 
I'm okay because I believe Christ will be honored. He says this, it's my eager expectation. And my eager expectation. That, that word expectation really uh, best means the word focus. In other words, I am eagerly focused on what is ahead. That's what it means to expect, right? You're expecting something that hasn't happened yet. And what Paul is saying is, I am so, and that word eagerly really just means very focused. I am very focused on what is ahead of me. Uh, it's kind of like this, like when there are a million people around me, and there's people wanting to talk and wanting attention, and, and we're trying to have these conversations over here, there is one thing that can distract me like nothing else, and it is the voice of one of my children. I mean, if you're talking to me and my child is at my leg pulling my pants saying, excuse me, daddy, excuse me, daddy, excuse me. I just want you to know I'm not hearing a word you're saying right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm nodding my head and I'm trying to play it cool, but I don't hear anything you're saying. You're going to need to just stop and let me address, you know, whatever travesty, probably lack of fruit snacks or something is happening in this moment. All right. But, like, this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, like, I've got such a focus that I can, I can leave, like, what all the tons of noise that's happening out here, I can leave that because I hear the sound of one still small voice that needs my attention. And see, that's what Paul says, i got an eager expectation. I, I know all my circumstances look bad. I know everything looks bleak. I know that I might even be about to die soon, but I see heaven. I see Jesus, and none of this is too loud to take my eyes off of him. And that's what Paul is saying by I've got this eager expectation. Uh, let's keep going and uh, look at verse 21 with me, Philippians 1.21. And this is where Paul is really just going to say it. And it's a little bit weird, but hang in there with me. Well, I'll try to explain it. In verse 21, he says, For to me, see, to live is Christ, and to die gain. I mean, that's crazy, though. Like, if you think about the rest of the world, we're all going, to live is me. And to die is horrible. That's what we think, right? Like, to live is me. But to die would be the end. But listen to me, church. For a follower of Jesus, it is flipped on its head. Like, Jesus has a way of turning things upside down, and he turns our view of death upside down. Like, this is by far one of the most popular verses in the Bible, probably one of the most popular verses definitely in the New Testament. And, and so I want us to understand, like, like uh, this isn't, I don't want you to think of it like a funeral message, because a lot of times we hear this at funerals. What I want you to hear is not Paul saying, well, I'm about to die, feel sorry for me. What I want you to hear today is Paul's intimacy with Christ. I want you to hear how much this dude loves Jesus. Like, I want you to hear today that he's going, man, listen, if I live, it is for Christ. And if I die, it's even better, because I'm going to get to be with him. Like, I want you to hear today, not, you know, he's not speaking morbidly. I don't want you to hear something that goes, oh, I don't want to think about that today. I didn't really come to church, Brandon, to think about this kind of stuff. I don't want you to hear that. What I want you to hear is someone who is so confident in Jesus, someone who wants to be with Jesus so bad that he says, what do I have to do to be with Jesus? Live? Fine, I'll live. Die? Great, let's go. Like, I just want to be with Jesus. And guys, that has got to be the heart of every follower of Jesus. 
is not just head knowledge. I mean, think about it. The dude might be, Paul might be towards the end of his life, and he's not writing out all of his theology lessons. He's not saying, I can't wait to have another Bible study on the four theological points of 1 Timothy with all the prison guards. He's going, man, I don't know. If I'm at the end of this, if I live, it'll be for Jesus. If I die, I'll be with Jesus. All I know is I'm rejoicing. I rejoice because either way, I'm with Jesus. And so I want, you to, I want you to hear this, but I want you to think for a second. How would you fill in those blanks? Like I want you to imagine for a second it was to live is blank and to die is blank. To live is blank. What do you live for? And for a lot of us, let's just be real for a second, because I'll be honest, if we can't be real at church, let's just go home, all right? Like, let's be real for a second. For some of us, and it goes in seasons, doesn't it? There are times in my life that what's true is, to live is my children. They need me, I'm attached, I've got, I've got all this stuff, and living is children. But you know what the problem is with that? Is that when the children let me down, my whole life has crumbled. When to live is children, when the children let you down, I know none of your children will ever let you down, but when my children let me down, or say maybe one day when they move out the house, when they move out the house, one day, come on, one day they're going to be gone. And then what's going to happen to my to live? To, if to live is children, then what happens when, if they're gone? What about sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes it's to live is my bank account. To live is, is my bank account. Man, sometimes I get so, I can fret, I can worry so much about where's this going to come from, what's this going to happen, and I'm up and down. And when the bank account's good, I rejoice, and when it's bad, I'm anxious and nervous. See, it'll let you down. To live is what for you? Your job? To live is my job. You may not say that, but your timesheet is saying it. Spending 40, 60, 80 hours a week doing your job. So much easy now, we can work from home, we can put more hours in, and we, we wouldn't say it, but to live is our job. And if our job gets taken away, what about, what about we just find our identity and our career, right? I'm going to be a this, and this is what I've always wanted to be. And so when God takes that away, can you live anymore? Guys, this is why Paul says, I just took care of it, and I got rid of everything except Jesus. And I said, for me, to live is just going to be Christ. And what that really means is, to live is Christ. He's saying, I live to serve Christ. Look, look with me at verse uh, 24. Now, don't worry. We're going to, well, I'll just keep reading. All right, let's go verse 22. I'll come back. Let's go verse 22. Paul is going to explain this. He says this, for uh, if I am to live in the flesh, that means like here on the earth, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. See, my desire is to, to depart and be with Christ because that's far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. See, I, I love this. He kind of explains, if you go back up and look at uh, verse 22, he says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And then if you look at verse 24, he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. 
Man, I love that. He says, to live as Christ means to serve Christ. He says, it means if I continue to live, I get to serve Jesus more. I get to see the works of Jesus here on this earth. And then he says, it's actually better for you if I stay, because I'm going to serve Jesus by serving you. Man, if you are living for Christ, you are making your life count. If you're living for Christ and you're investing in others, you are making your life count for something. But notice what he says. He says this. He says in verse 24, he says, it is necessary for me to stay so that I can continue to be with you. So I continue to serve you in Christ. Let me just ask you a question. Is it necessary for you to be anywhere? Like, think about it for a second. Is it necessary for you to be with your church? The reason I say that is because Paul thought it was necessary for him to stay with this church. Paul thought it is necessary for me to be with you because I am serving you. Because of how I'm serving you, it is necessary that I am with you. If you left your church, would anybody notice? If your church closed down, would the community care? I'm left thinking these questions like, what about your office? If you left your office and got transferred out, would anybody in your office notice a difference? Have you made any sort of impact in your office, in your sphere of influence? Have you made any sort of impact in in your circle of friends, in your community, in your friends group, that anybody would notice if you aren't there anymore? Um, this story, man, this came straight to me last Sunday. And it's been a whirlwind of a month for me because uh, two weeks ago, we celebrated one year as a church. And then last Sunday, we celebrated 10 years at our first church plant at Impact Church in Fairfax County. 10 years. Like, oh my gosh, everybody is getting old. Um, Not me, but everybody else. This is what happened. This church, until COVID, spent eight years meeting in an elementary school cafeteria, okay? Eight years, every Sunday, pulling a trailer up, unloading everything we had, setting up church two hours before, having church, then spending an hour packing everything back up, putting it back in a trailer every single Sunday for eight years. We saw lives change, but you ever get to the point you wonder if you're making a difference? Like you're just going through the motions, you're going, does anybody care about this? And uh, then COVID hit, and the school said, you're gone. And so we got kicked out, just like all the other churches, and we had to close down. But this, we didn't have a building, we didn't have anything. So we started meeting outside at parks, then we started meeting at other churches, and then finally God opened up a place for us to have kind of our own space up in Fairfax County. And so, uh, so it was really great. And so we celebrated 10 years, and it was kind of the first time we'd gotten so many of our people back together since COVID and kind of seen each other. And it was just a real special time. But listen, who was there? The principal of the school that we met in for eight years came to the 10-year celebration. Y'all, you don't understand. She, she doesn't know Jesus. Like, she, I don't even know if she cares. Like, in fact, my first meeting with her, she wouldn't even come out to see me because she changed her mind and said it would be inappropriate for me to meet with a pastor because I'm the principal of a school. I said, but what? And she was like, but you're, you're a pastor, and I, I don't think the rules let me meet with you. Okay, so we go from I can't even meet with you to then her coming to our 10-year celebration. You guys got that picture? Can you throw that uh, picture up? And she, oh, my gosh, can you see that? She comes up to me, 
and we're giving out certificates. And so we just said, oh, gosh, Colin Powell Elementary School principal's here. We gave her a certificate, said thank you for eight years of letting us meet there, and we love you. And I go to hand her her certificate. Keep in mind, this is a lady who said, I can't even come out of my office if you're in the building because I don't want to be, like, too associated with you. I hand her her certificate. She looks at me, and she goes, can I hug you? I said, bring it in. Let's do it. It was the coolest thing ever. And she spent the next 30 minutes right here with me and the other pastors just telling us, man, thank you. We have felt you. Like, we've missed you. Like, we, we felt like your absence. Like, we, we didn't realize how much you guys did until you weren't there. And, how, like, you know, and we were like, well, we, we didn't die. Like, we're still here. Can we help you? She goes, you would still help us even though you're not meeting in our school? We were like, yeah. She goes, oh, my gosh, wait till I tell the school. They're going to be so happy. Like, can you believe that? Like, can you imagine? Guys, for eight years, I thought, I can't wait to get out of this school. They hate me, and to be honest with you, okay. And so <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to get out. And then 10 years later, the principal goes from I can't see you to can I hug you and can I thank you and your pastor so much for the impact that we have felt in our community because of you. Is it necessary for you to be where you're at? Are you serving in such a way, giving your life to live for Christ in such a way that if you peace out, it would be missed? Well, let's wrap up here in verse... Uh, you go back and look at verses 25 and 26. It says this, Paul says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Everybody say joy. joy. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So I just want to kind of wrap up today, share with you guys in those two verses, Paul gives us three reasons that it is important for us to live for Christ. Okay? Three reasons why it's important for us to live for Christ. Uh, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, it's for the progress or growth of others. He says, I'm, I'm convinced that i got to stay with you for your progress. And what he means by progress is for your growth. Man, you got to continue growing. Guys, we as a church, we, the word we use is discipleship. Uh, we, you may hear us use the term making disciples. And what that means is we want to see you grow. Man, everybody has a next step with Jesus. And you can be a part of that. And you go, oh, Brandon, I don't know enough. I don't, I'm not confident enough. Listen, all you got to do is be one little bitty step ahead of somebody else. And you can come alongside and say, man, can I help you? Can I serve you? Can I, can I bring you to church with me? Can I bring you to community group with me? Can I help you grow to a point where you can say, man, to live is Christ. Man, to die would even be better. I just want to be with Christ. Uh, number two, he says it's important for us to live for Christ for the joy of others. And notice that, like, listen, you're not going to give people joy. You might make people happy, but happiness is fleeting. Joy is a deep, inward truth from Jesus inside of us. Happiness is a feeling that can come and go. Joy is a truth that God gives to us. And listen, you are bringers of joy wherever you go. That is why it is necessary 
for us to be in our schools, to be in our classrooms, to be in our jobs, to be in our homes, to be with our children, to be with our friend groups. This is why it is important. It's for the joy of others that they will only find through a relationship with Jesus. And here's number three, is man, we want others to glorify in Christ Jesus. That word glorify literally means to, to make much of to exalt, to honor, to make that the most important and the biggest thing in the room. Man, when we are living life with others, when we are living for Jesus, we are helping others' lives become more and more about Jesus. Church, I, I just want you to hear me say today, I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know this. I believe the answer for every single one of us here today is to know Jesus more. To know him with all of our hearts, guys. Jesus said, he, uh, somebody came into him and said, uh, how many laws are there and which ones are the most important for me to keep? And Jesus looked at him and said, I can sum it up into two for you. Number one is you've got to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Everything you have, you need to love God with. And, and second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Guys, like we got to know Jesus we got to be close to him and intimate with him. Um, and, and guys, like, like for us to just look and say, man, to live is Christ. He's my only purpose on this earth. He's all that I have. He's all that I want. He is everything. And man, for me to live would be for Christ. But if I die, it's okay because I'm going to be with Christ. It's just all about Christ. It's all about Jesus. Um, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up and um, as they come up, I want to I just read to you guys um, a quote from uh, one of my favorite missionaries, St. Patrick. Maybe you guys have heard of him. He's known for Jesus and green beer. That's what he said. It's just a joke. Come on. This is what he said. I want you to just hear this. And I want you to just have it wash over you. I want you to hear this is his prayer. This is a, a famous prayer from St. Patrick, and this is, this is what he prayed, and this is our prayer here today. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. See, I believe this with all of my heart. When we follow Jesus, the best is always yet to come. And listen to me. The best may not come in this life. But when we follow Jesus, the best is always still to come. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. 
If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.